If you're listening to this podcast on the day it's released, today is election day. If you're listening a week later, today is election day. If you happen to be listening to this six months after its release, today is election day. Because whether we realize it or not, every day is election day. culture and film and art. It's music and interesting books. It's conversations and eavesdroppings. It's the impact of friends and complete strangers. The stuff that gets into the cracks of your life and makes you who you are. It's an attention collection. You already have one. The question is, how are you using it? Hey friends. Look, perhaps it goes without saying, but if you live in the States and you're eligible to vote, I hope you do. I hope you did. Because we can debate all day how much it ultimately matters. But it's a freedom that we haven't always had. And it's a freedom some of us didn't have for far too long. But just to make it clear right out front, this episode isn't about capital P politics as important as that conversation truly is. And listen, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, it's no secret where I land. I believe black lives matter. I believe women. And I believe this country would be a much better place if more women were in leadership. And I trust the scientific community over my haphazard Google searches every day of the week. So you do the math and figure out where I land. But this episode is just meant to highlight a reality that I think gets lost behind campaign ads and news cycles and hyperbole. It gets lost a couple months after the inauguration, to be honest. The truth is, every single day of our lives is voting day. It's election day. It doesn't always involve ballot boxes and polling stations, but we are never not casting votes. We vote with dollars and attendance and laughter and silence and everything in between. The trouble is, we don't usually think about it in those terms. Because the effects of our daily routine, our everyday decisions, aren't usually apparent in the moment. Because the stakes don't usually feel that high when I'm in line to purchase something at a store. Or when I'm laughing at an off-color joke. We forget that the future isn't just decided by one big decision every couple years or so. It's also the product of a thousand little decisions that we make every day of the year. And sometimes we forget this because we've been so beaten down by the status quo or empty promises around us that we just end up voting for apathy by default. It's like that Reese Witherspoon, Matthew Broderick film, Election about high school student council. Who cares about this stupid election? We all know it doesn't matter who gets elected president of Carver. Do you really think it's gonna change anything around here? Make one single person smarter, or happier, or nicer? The only person it does matter to is the one who gets elected. The same pathetic charade 
happens every year. And everyone makes the same pathetic promises just so they can put it on their transcripts to get into college. So vote for me, because I don't even want to go to college. And I don't care. And as president, I won't do anything. The only promise I will make is that, if elected, I will immediately dismantle the student government so that none of us will ever have to sit through one of these stupid assemblies again. Part of me can't help but nod along to that speech. At least she's being honest, right? It's refreshing, which is why that entire crowd was shocked into applause. No more going through the motions. No more wasting time voting for things that don't matter. It doesn't affect me, or at least not right now, so I won't bother to care. I'm not going to expend the energy. But there's a sneaky danger within that logic, because sometimes things don't matter right up until the point that they matter a great deal. Let's start off with a basic, somewhat silly example, and we'll build out from there. You and I vote for the content we consume. Think about this. Sitting around with our feet up and our eyes pointed at a screen for a certain length of time is a vote. Doing nothing, in this case, is actually a vote for something. There's a reason NBC keeps pumping out shows set in Chicago. Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Chicago Law, Chicago Sanitation Department. That last one is completely made up by me, but would you be shocked if next fall that was on TV? No, you wouldn't. But here's the point. They aren't making these shows because they have some affinity with the Windy City. Viewers liked the first show they put out, so they tried another and people kept coming back for more. And this process will continue for as long as viewers keep showing up. That's just how it works. But think about that for a moment. Careers are made, stories are written, entire worlds are created based on the whims of an audience. That is amazing and it's startling. Think about this. Films like Black Panther or Creed or Queen and Slim could have been made years ago. But the studios weren't convinced until recently that audiences would show up for these stories. So what convinced them? What changed? Did these studio heads start reading James Baldwin and Toni Morrison? No. Amazing artists kept showing up. They kept doing their work even in the face of adversity. They kept showing up with blood, sweat, and tears, and audiences responded. They showed up with wallets and purses and streaming subscriptions. They showed up with clicks. And we're seeing this all across the spectrum of art. We're seeing this same effect with strong female leads, LGBTQ stories, so much more representation from so many more groups of people in front of and behind the camera, writers, executives, so much is changing because people are voting with presence, with dollars, and with clicks. This is happening in response to our votes. We are voting with our attention. 
with our views and likes and shares. Every time we show up, it's a vote. It's a vote that says, give us more of this. Share more of these stories, these experiences. We want to hear more from these perspectives. And the opposite is true for every time we walk away or every time we never show up at all. Which brings us to another form of voting. It's the vote of silence. Because silence is a vote in a few ways. For instance, when I'm involved in a sensitive or intense discussion and I choose to close my mouth and I choose to listen where I could easily interject or interrupt, when I choose silence where I could mansplain or one-up the other person, my silence is a vote for healthy dialogue. It's a vote for respect for generous discourse, and it's a vote for personal education because it's an opportunity for me to learn. But then there's the dark side of silence as vote as well. When I opt for silence on matters of justice or equity or even just basic decency, I'm casting a vote for injustice, for inequity, for inhumanity. And here is where the wisdom of Dr. King is always helpful. He said, Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. I mean, wow. He also said, In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And it is in those words that we keep bumping into the perennial indictment of American culture. We have so much to say about stuff that ultimately doesn't matter, but we go silent where it counts. But there's another way that silence serves us. It's a vote for things that are helpful. Sometimes silence is a vote for mental clarity and well-being. It's a vote to step away from the noise, and it's listening to the stillness beneath our racing, chaotic thoughts. It's a ballot cast in favor of the healthiest version of ourselves. Silence is never neutral. It's always voting for a future reality. All right, for this next form of voting, I'm just going to throw myself under the bus. There's no other way to do it. I have been critical of Jeff Bezos over the years. There's no denying that. But during this pandemic, it's been razor sharp criticism. Here's a guy who has made billions upon billions of dollars during a time when so many people are out of work, when so many businesses have been shuttered, never to return. But then I came across this post, and I can't get it out of my head. It's from Dan Price, who's a CEO in the Seattle area. And he said, Jeff Bezos could give a $225,000 bonus to every one of Amazon's 400,000 warehouse workers and still be richer than he was when the pandemic started. Instead, 
Amazon quickly canceled the $2 an hour hero pay and refuses to give paid sick leave in a pandemic. That's $2 an hour extra as thanks for showing up and risking your life. And Bezos' fortune rose $90.1 billion. Now, while you let that sink in, I'm going to bring myself into the story. Because here's the rub. I say that. I criticize. I jump on my soapbox and preach about the dangers of soulless capitalism. And I have an Amazon Prime account. There's an Amazon box on my front porch just about every time I open the door. And therefore, my critiques are essentially powerless because I'm voting to keep that upside-down system in power with every dollar I spend. It's like when someone says, you don't get to complain if you don't get out and vote. I'm doing both simultaneously. I'm complaining, and then I'm voting against myself and the very things I stand for. I'm voting. Every time I stand in line to buy a shirt I snagged off the sales rack, a shirt someone else was paid pennies to produce, a shirt that will end up on an already heaping landfill in no time. I'm voting every time I buy a cheap cup of coffee or bar of chocolate produced by a farmer who can't even afford to feed his own family, let alone treat them to a cup of coffee or a bar of chocolate. But listen, this isn't all doom and gloom because there's good news here as well. When I take time to consider where these products were sourced, how they were produced, and whether the human beings behind their production were fairly compensated, I'm voting for equity and sustainability. That's an amazing opportunity. It's an important one. But even there, we find more complications because there are so many people who literally can't afford to consider sustainability. That's the reality. And do you know why they can't afford to shop sustainably? Not always, but in many cases, it's because other people are voting against equal opportunity and access. People are voting against equity in education, if not intentionally, simply by voting through apathy or self-interest. The truth is my votes don't just determine my future. In many cases, they determine the future of others as well. One appealing thing about local and national elections is that they're anonymous. You don't have to worry about someone watching you as you fill out your mail-in ballot. They put dividers up in polling locations so no one can peer over your shoulder. Unless you make it known, no one ever will. But that's not usually how it works when it comes to the votes we cast every other day of the year. People are paying attention to the voices we elevate and the ones we choose to ignore. They see our generosity or the lack thereof. They actually notice the way we treat people who have nothing to offer us and the way we behave in situations where we have nothing to gain or nothing to lose. We are voting with our money and time and platforms and energy. Every day, we are electing the future. Imagine, if you will, for a moment that you're standing in a busy polling station. 
You're in the booth and a ballot has been placed in front of you. There's a series of ovals. You can either darken or leave blank, but you have to choose. Will it be growth or gain? Inclusion or exclusion? Are you going to opt for cooperation or competition? Decency or dominance? A future that involves imagination or indoctrination? Justice or just this? The status quo, our current state of affairs, the world we could make or the one we've allowed? Which will you choose? Vote today, vote tomorrow, and vote the next day as if our future depends on it. Because it does.